You're listening to the She Is Fierce podcast. I'm Kelly Youngs, the founder of She Is Fierce, a global women's network that elevates women's stories and gives you the tools and connections you need to live on purpose. We support female leaders and business owners who are ready to level up in business and life and make their mark in the world. And we partner with and provide speakers and development programs for companies that believe in the power of supporting female leaders and women on the rise. And my daughter, my baby girl said, Ma, you've been playing small. You should have done this a long time ago. This is you. And I was like, oh, what if I lose everything? What if we become homeless again? And she said, God will give us another place. On our podcast, you'll hear the inspiring stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who have overcome challenges and built purpose-filled lives. And you'll get a behind-the-scenes look at my mission-driven business and learn how to brand and grow your own. Today, I am excited to introduce you to your new favorite finance mentor, April Murdoch. April is a financial advisor at Woman to Woman Financial. Her practice helps women and their families create and grow generational wealth. She is passionate about financial literacy for women. And in 2015, she founded a nonprofit organization called the Economic Empowerment Center, Inc. It's dedicated to providing financial education programs for high school and college students. So first of all, April, I just want to say welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure. And I was sharing with you before we got on that I have had your name suggested to me by so many different women in our community as somebody that I should connect with and feature because you have an incredible personal story and you're doing some really remarkable work in a space that no matter how well or not well we are doing financially, every single one of us needs a little bit of help, right? So you are not only, you're not only bringing yeah. an amazing story with us today, but you're also bringing some real wisdom. And we're gonna talk specifically about the five biggest mistakes that women make with their money. So I'm excited to learn and hopefully not doing too many of these things, but I'm excited <laughs> to learn from you. And so first of all, can I just ask you to share a little bit of your story and what you do? Thank you first for having me. What I do is I really try to encourage, educate, and empower women when it comes to managing their money with absolutely no judgment. And the reason for that is because I've lost everything three times in my life. Um, I lost husbands, maybe some of that should have, should have been anyway, I've lost homes, cars. Um, I've been homeless about 10 years ago here in uh, Jacksonville. I was homeless. So I've been widowed. I've been divorced. I know what it means to have, and I know what it means not to have. And I knew at the core of my situation was lack of financial literacy, a lot of shame built up in that, uh, judgment, internal judgment, external judgment. Um, I'm a single mom. I have four children. And so just having them watch me make so many financial mistakes. Some of it was mine and some of it was circumstantial, but it impacted us in such a negative way. And I really wanted to encourage women to, to not make those same mistakes. And, and I, I don't consider myself a, 
you know, an uneducated woman. I, this time, the time all this was going on, I, I had degrees, I had a bachelor's, I had a master's. I even had a job. My whole goal and my purpose of having woman-to-woman financial is really to educate, empower, and encourage women with no judgment towards a debt-free life. I want them to understand that they can live free from debt, but not only that, they can save for retirement and do those things. Um, And I act as the accountability partner to do that. And so that is very passionate to me. I love seeing a woman win. I'm here to help us be successful. 80% of us will die single and 80% of men die married. And so just that alone, we've got to figure out how we're going to live those retirement years without the income of our significant other. And so I'm very passionate about that. That's my life's work. I feel like it's my ministry. Mm. Well, I, I mean, you brought up so many, so many, like every single one of them were amazingly relevant topics, I think, for women that will be listening to this conversation. And so I first of all, I want to just touch on the fact that you mentioned you were a single mom of four kids, you had a job, you had the college degree, you had a master's degree, uh, you know, from the outside looking in, that sounds like, well, you've got it all, you figured it yep. out, right? Yep. And yet, yes. I am grateful to you for sharing the truth because I think that that story is not as unusual as we like to imagine that it is. And I know, you know, within our community, we have women across the whole spectrum of financial wealth and background and education and, and even age. And so this conversation around where you are in the moment and making sure that you become debt free or simply get back on your feet, but also thinking about once you've done that, actually getting to a place where you're thinking about generational wealth. I love that theme. And then also, you know, just protection for yourself, really self-preservation so that in your older years, you, you're not fearing what's coming, but instead you're looking forward to it. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, now I see women come into my office. They're full of shame and fear. I had an advisor during this time (laughs) and I would meet with my advisor, but I never told her how, poorly my situation was. It looked like I made great money. Of course, I had children, but no one really asked me the questions. I wasn't, I had so much shame around it. And so I I just want to dispel that for women. I really just want them to feel comfortable, have someone in their corner that they can be 100% honest. So I tell the ladies when they come see me, it's like going to the financial GYN. You kind of got to let it all out (laughs) in a safe place. So we're going to talk more particular about money in just a minute. But before we jump into that, can I ask you, I mean, you just talked about a really, what sounds like a really dramatic story, right? Mm -hmm. Of how you kind of came to where you are. So can you walk us through that transition? So I think one of the things that I, you know, and the women who are listening to this podcast know throughout this season, we're really focusing in on the idea of what it means to live on purpose and to kind of live with passion and to feel good about what you're doing every day. But one of the reasons I'm excited to talk to you today is that I think it's very difficult to even make space in your life for the idea of living on purpose, right? Mm -hmm. Of taking action and being purposeful if you don't feel secure. So can you share a little bit about how you kind of went from that place of working, having four kids, being in a state of homelessness at a certain point, and then transitioning to now being a financial advisor. That's, that's a pretty big leap. So can you just share a little bit of that transition story with us? Yeah, sure. So I think really it was, I just got tired. Like I knew that what I was doing, it was, and I tell one of my kids, I'm like, this is sabotage. 
So I couldn't understand, like, why was I a hamster on this wheel? It had to be something better than that. It was something inside of me that I had to live better than this. There was no reason why I was making this little bit of money or why couldn't I make this money do what it needed to do. And so initially what I started doing is I started reading. I mean, I started reading everything I could, any money show, any podcast, anything that was out there, I started reading because I just couldn't understand why I kept making the same mistakes. So I think one of the, the way that I first started was just self-education. And once I started doing that, of course, you got so many different views coming at you. And so I would implement them. I would try them out. I would just, I would talk about money. My friends, like, they were like, oh my God, like, I was just talking about money all the time. What could we do with it? How could I... So I became so immersed in it that I started a book club for women in my church. And we started reading money books. Anybody who wanted to come, we read that. And then I developed a 13-week program for us to learn everything about money. So I took stuff I learned from um, David Bach and Dave Ramsey and just everybody that I could get a hold of. And I created this thing. And it just kind of evolved. And, and I got better. And then I would take two steps back and I'd take two steps forward. Well, finally, I got discouraged and decided I'm going to be good and get a job, a really good job. And I went and got my doctorate degree and said, now I'll make all the money I need to make. I'll be a college president because by then I had so many years of experience in, in higher ed and I won't have any money problems. And it was so much, I was so off base with that. Um, and when I moved into that space, I wasn't happy. Mm -hmm. But I, on the side part-time, I was helping my friends do debt snowballs and I was doing life insurance and everything I could do just because just I loved doing it. And um, several people said, you need to do this for a living. I had no idea that I could eat and do what I love. And then as a professor, I became a full-time professor and was teaching business and logistics and finance and all that. Still didn't think I could do this. And a friend of a friend said, no, no, you can and introduced me to this industry. And I literally quit my full-time faculty job three years ago and uh, told my kids, well, you know, do you think I should do this? I really want to do this full-time. And my daughter, my baby girl said, Ma, you've been playing small. You should have done this a long time ago. This is you. And I was like, oh, what if I lose everything? What if we become homeless again? And she said, God will give us another place, but you're most happier doing this. And so I did, I quit. And I've never looked back and things were, got way better than I thought, but I felt like I learned by doing, by teaching and helping other women. And it just helped my life so much. So every day I, I love doing what I do. I get up with such joy. This is never a job I hate. I don't even know if it's a job. It's just a ministry. I have so much fun. Well, I love you know, your story, but also just the fact that you're touching on something I didn't even know we were gonna get to touch on which is the fact that you kind of stepped in and took this big leap into your purpose. And so um, within the Shears Fierce community, we call that like your leap of fierce, right? So you're taking a leap of faith, but you're also taking a leap of fierce. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, first of all, just want to commend you on that. Congratulations on all of your success in bringing that to life, you know, coming through what must've been immense struggle and now kind of transforming that into making a really positive impact for other women. Let's talk about what the women in our community, within the Shia Spears community, we have women all over the world who will be listening to this. And the truth is, wherever you are, and no matter what financial position you're in, you're doing something wrong, <laughs> probably, right? As much <laughs> as I hate to say it, 
we're all doing something wrong because that's just the reality. Some of us are doing almost everything wrong. Some of us can just make small tweaks to make improvements. Absolutely. But you have a signature workshop, which I love the name of. It's called The Five Biggest Mistakes Women Make With Their Money. It just draws me in personally because I always like to think about, you know, I think maybe I'm doing something well, but I know there's in, in any area of life, right? Oh, maybe I'm, I'm, I've become successful in that area, but how can it become better or how can we make improvements? And I also love, you know, you kind of talked about pulling from Dave Ramsey, pulling from other sources and kind of bringing a holistic view of a human being, right? A woman who has people depending on her, who has expectations that other people have brought to the table, who has to like get through every single day. Mm -hmm. And then of course, every single one of us brings our own baggage to the table. So not only are we doing everything for everybody else, we're also bringing all our own baggage and expectations and stress into what is really an objective and practical situation. Is that fair? That's true. That's true. That's fair. That's fair. All right. So I want to talk about the five biggest mistakes that women make so that we can start to solve some of these. And then maybe we can talk a little bit about the specific situations because I know, you know, within our community, we have women who are entrepreneurs. They have Mm -hmm. financial challenges. We have women who maybe are going through divorce. They have specific financial challenges. And then we have kind of everybody who's all, Mm -hmm. we're all looking at it and going, how are we going to pay for college? How are we going to, you know, fund our retirement? And how are we going to get the beautiful new X, Y, or Z that we have in mind for ourselves one day? So can you share your I don't know how you want to do it, either countdown five to one or one to five. How do you want to do your top five biggest mistakes women make with their money? Yeah, so normally I do five to one. Um, I think it becomes a little more impactful uh, that way. So the the fifth biggest mistake that women make with money is not negotiating. Uh, Statistically, they say you leave, women leave a half a million dollars on the table all of their lifetime just by not negotiating. You think about that money compounded, you know, through retirement, if you had those resources to save or to, you know, for your future or heck, if you're thinking of college planning or whatever that is, you know, you're leaving that much money on the table. And and statistically, it says about 31 to 50% of women just do not negotiate. You know, um, a lot of it is out of fear. Um, they're scared. They, we usually take the job based on the base salary. So even if it's a range where we in our mind will be comfortable with, oh, so they're, they're going to pay me 75. It goes 75 to 125. I'll be okay with 75. I'll be okay with 75. You know, so, and we don't go to the table um, understanding our skill set, what we bring, uh, having the confidence that one, we're going to do the job. And I, I know you may have heard this before that women, men will apply for a job, even if they only have 50% or something like that of the skill set. But we feel like we've got to have 100% of what they're asking for to be eligible for that position. So that is a big mistake we make. Fourth one is not looking at your finances, avoiding it. And I will tell you, like sometimes, and, and especially now as a, a small business owner, sometimes you know, I have to convince myself on Sundays to look like I got to get me a glass of wine, Pinot Noir, to sit down and go, okay. Because, you know, it may not look exactly the way I want it to look, but avoiding it is not going to help. Yeah. Um, I've had a client that came in my office 
and after years of working for a firm, quit, started her job and found out she only had $1,100 in her 401k. She was giving 3%, but she didn't pay attention. The money was wasting away. Things were happening. She was clueless. So mm -hmm. avoiding it is definitely the fourth. So uh, before, the you go, before you go on to number three, can we stick on that one for a second? Because absolutely. that one, I mean, when I, when I was kind of projecting what could these mistakes be, that was the one that I thought, oh my gosh, this is it. Because I see, I mean, I have done that, absolutely. And both in personal finances and professional finances. Mm -hmm. Even sometimes, even when you are doing well, you yes. kind of fear like, well, I don't want it to be any less than what I think it is, right? Mm -hmm. So there's always the... Um, yeah whatever that story is you're telling yourself. But then we have also, I mean, I know within our CEO mastermind circle and within our membership, we have just a bunch of entrepreneurs who have also gone through that experience, right? Yeah. So they, um, in particular, one of the things I, I see a lot of is like women who are coming to the table, just like you talked about in your story, they have a PhD, they have, they're the expert in their field. They are 100% qualified to be at the table. And not only are they a little bit anxious, like you said, about you know, negotiating or asking for what they're worth, but also they avoid kind of being objective and looking at the reality. Mm -hmm. So do you have any kind of hot tips for those women to say, like you said, you know, maybe sometimes you have to grab a glass of wine and actually just sit down and do it. But also like sometimes it's that bigger picture avoidance, right? So even being avoiding kind of setting goals because we have a fear of not hitting them. Yeah. Is there something that you have found is effective or that you do yourself that kind of helps you get out of that cycle? An accountability partner. Mm. I think having someone that you feel comfortable with that will not judge you, that will hold you accountable. Like girl, you know, uh, today is the day. Zoom, zoom. Sometimes I have a girlfriend, we can zoom. She doesn't drink, but I do. And I have to get my wine sometimes. Or, you know, I have a client that I'm available by text all the time. And she's like, oh my God, you know, I don't want to look. I don't want to look. Calm down. We can do this together. So having someone in your corner, just to kind of rub your back, because we are emotional creatures. Mm -hmm. And so our emotions will cause us to be paralyzed. So having someone to just kind of nurture you through it, talk you through it, coach you, be there and support you. That, I think that is the biggest thing. And not someone that after they get you to it and look at things, when you go out for drinks, rub it in your face that, you know, girl, you shouldn't be having drinks today. Cause you know, so, so I think really accountability is key. Someone that you can be safe with. I know that helps me. And I'll call my girlfriend and be like, girl, I got to sit down and look at this. Oof. I, it was, it's been a tough week. I'm not sure if I want to do it. And she'll coach me right through it. And I'll close my eyes. I'll literally close them and open them be, and look at things. And so yeah. being honest like that. Is, and yeah, I love that. And I love your example because I think you're, you're so right, right? Like sometimes we just can't even get up the motivation to do it ourselves. And we need somebody else on the other side, whether it's a financial advisor or just a, a girlfriend that will say, Yep. All right. It's time. Open your eyes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let's look at this. Yep. Yes. Okay. So, so take us on to number three. So number three is uh, preparing for your children's college before retirement. So I am a mom of four and um, that, you know, you always want your children to have better than you. Like I didn't want my children to see me homeless. I didn't want my children to be experienced divorce and the money that went away because of it. But, um, you know, I had to be realistic with them too and say, hey, listen, I mean, 
you know, my daughter is an artist, for example, she wanted to go to SCAD and she wanted to go out in California and, and Ringling down south. And I knew, I don't care how much student loan I took out, I knew I wasn't going to be able to do that. And did I want to? So I, you know, I told my children, we'll go to a, a two year school first. And you prove to me that you can do that. And then when we get to the end of that road, we can take a look at the other options. And so I had one kid did that with, and of course she qualified. I mean, I should have been able to cut a check and send her to California, but I couldn't. There was no way it was gonna happen. Unless I told her, hey, listen, you know, if we do this, I'll, I'll make, it my, make it happen. I'll take out the loans, I'll do whatever. I said, but when you get to where you are and you become Vera Wang and, you know, whoever you need to be, I'm just going to need to live with you. Like, I need you to make sure you have a suite for me and you see the way I live. So I need you to duplicate that life. Yeah. And if you're willing to do that, then I'm willing to put it all on the line for you. And of course she did not, she was not willing to do that. Yeah. So my money stayed in the state of Florida <laughs> and went where I could still afford to invest for my retirement. Mm -hmm. And she had to have some skin in the game. And I think a lot of times us women, because we want so much for our children yeah. and maybe we've gone to college already. And so we want to continue that legacy of, you know, they went to, uh, what is it? FSU, you know, they got, we got to keep them going there. And, but if, financially, it's going to cause you to not invest for your retirement, then that's a problem because long-term care is going to be an issue for you. Mm -hmm. And your children are going to be off living their lives like you want them to live. And the grandchildren, you don't want them to be concerned about having you live with them per se. And I've cared for my mother till she died. So I know the burden of having to move her in with me while I was a single parent and working and taking care of it. And I'm not saying you wouldn't do that, but putting your children's future first when they can create themselves, it's, it's, it's not a wise decision. Last point on that is they say that right now the fastest growing student loan holders are people 65 and older because they're taking out student loans for their grandkids. So parent plus loans, student loans in your name, I think Johnny should have something invested in that, in that mm. whole system. So your retirement should never be on the back burner. Sorry, moms. I know a lot of moms get mad with me about that. How can you say? Yeah. But that's just, that's the three. The second one is no will or no estate plan. So my mom and grandmother owned a home jointly. Grandma dies with no will. Mom gets ill about six years later, couldn't keep up the house, we couldn't sell the house, sat in probate for 14 years because of bickering between siblings. Wow. So not having a plan, uh, matter of fact, I got a call yesterday, uh, my daughter's friend, her dad is dying and he's, he's incapacitated, he cannot sign anything. No will, no estate plan, the daughter can't do anything. So I think we take for granted one, either we're going to live forever or we just don't want to face those or answer those questions. Like where are the kids going to go? Where are they going to live? Um, if I'm incapacitated, what do I want them to do? My first husband died, but he was in a coma for six days before he died. I didn't know. We never had those discussions. So not having an estate plan in place is one of the biggest mistakes. And the first the number one mistake is allowing your spouse or significant other complete financial control. I cannot tell you the number of women I speak to from all economic levels who say, my husband handles the finances. 
I don't, I don't deal with those things. That lady said, you know, he just gave me the Amex and I'm, I'm good. But if something happens to him, mm. I mean, I'm not saying you have to be a financial guru, but you need to make sure things are okay. Um, is the house being paid? Can you see it? Do you have financial discussions? And then I throw a little 1A in there for my single ladies, because a lot of us are single now. 49% uh, of the population is women, are women. And one of the things now is our blended families. You know, we see a lot of women getting married again, and he has children and she has children. And um, conversations about a prenup, um, making sure that you have those conversations, uh, because I've seen situations where spouse dies, the kids from the previous marriage comes in, names are not on anything, they take over. Ex-wife comes in and takes over. So, you know, not being involved at all is, uh, you know, the, one of the biggest mistakes that I see women make and uh, it's to their detriment. Yeah. Well, I love, and I'm grateful to you for sharing that one because every single one of these are really powerful. And I was all about that avoidance one when we came into this conversation, but I'm grateful to you for talking about control because I think, you know, of course, like I have personally seen friends go through that, right? And it's everything from what you described. So being in a situation where somebody, pa your, your partner passes and you just don't even know what's happening, which is more about information or lack yeah. of it. Mm -hmm. But then it can also be about real control, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I went to a, a women's conference a few years ago and they had a whole section about financial abuse, right? Yeah. And so the idea of, when we give complete control over our finances to somebody else and we don't have access to that, that might, you might not be, you know, being physically abused, but if you don't have the certainty, again, you talked about the idea of fear. I think it's just having the certainty of knowing where you stand. Exactly. Can be really important. So just creating those boundaries within your own life, your marriage, your partnership, whatever that looks like. Um, is really meaningful. So those are- And I think we doubt our intuition. We have great intuition. So if we sit down with our partners and I have women come in my office all the time, I didn't think he should invest in that. And it went belly up. Well, I should have, you know, and I should have said something and be because I don't feel like I'm a financial wizard and he's the one that handles the money or she's the one that handles the money, they don't question it. But I think if you're constantly involved and you're communicating about those things, then it should be natural for you to be able to put your two cents in and, and you work together on those things. So I'm not an anti-man, you know, a hater or anything like that. I just want us to be informed about what's going on in our relationships. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we're kind of giving an example because our, our audience are women, but it can go either way, right? Whoever, yes. is, whoever is actually in control of the information and the decision-making process mm -hmm. can be, um, you know, there's a scale of abuse is a very big word. So there's a scale there. But it can also just be about knowing what your circumstances are, right? Mm -hmm. To your point. So um, I'm I'm grateful to you for sharing each one of those. And but those are a lot of things, right? So every single one of us, I have some takeaways from this. And every single one of us, I think listening, are gonna have some takeaways, things that we have to go and do now that you've told us what we're doing wrong, <laughs> right? So do you have any just first steps? So for people who are listening to this, who kind of saw your name, saw what our conversation is about, and they are thinking, okay, I'm ready to, to step into this place and become more financially secure, but I'm definitely not there yet, right? They, maybe they don't have a will. They don't have college planned. Um, they don't necessarily like to look at their bank account. 
and yet they, you know, like all of us, they want to be financially solvent and successful. Is there anything that you think is just a really powerful first step or first couple of steps to walking in that path? And I know from your story, you've, you've done that. So you probably have really great personal experience to share. Well, I think, you know, educating yourself is important. So I, I would say, you know, they're, they're, the gems are in the books. So if, if nothing else, find some books. One of the series that I am a huge proponent of is David Bach's uh, Start Late, Finish Rich uh, series. He has a series, Smart Women Finish Rich. That's one of my books that I give out a lot at my seminars. So anything that you can start reading on to get, get you in the mindset of, hey, you know, I might, I need to explore this a little bit better. So that, and I think that was my first step for me. The second step, I think, would be getting someone on your team. And I know that sounds crazy, right? And it, it's self-serving in a sense. I know it's a shameless plug. I'm sorry. But I think, you know, in anything, you got to have someone to help you through it. I work out a lot. And at first I started on my own, but then after a while I needed to go to a gym because I needed somebody to tell me how to do things differently. And now I've graduated, I got a Peloton and the person is screaming at me <laughs> to pedal faster or whatever. So I think getting someone on your team that has the same values that you have. So interviewing people, and that was something I didn't do, but I encourage women to do interview advisors, go and find out what their values are, what their story is. How do they handle their finances? Um, you know, what's their financial future looking like? And then, you know, is there, is, are they someone that they feel comfortable enough? Because this, like I said, is it like a GYN situation? And you've got to be comfortable with this person. Ideally, it's a relationship that you want to have from till death do you part. That's what I tell my clients, you and me. Uh, whoever goes first, right? But you need to make sure that you feel comfortable because if you feel like you're withholding information because there's some, some semblance of judgment or energy there, then that's not going to be the person that's good for you. So I would say those would be the first two steps would be to get someone on your team, you know, start reading something, start with David Bach stuff, and then get someone on your team that thinks like you, that has the same values and will help you uh, through whatever you need to help. And I don't care what your income is. I, I really don't care. Um, you could have $5. A lot of women come to me, oh, what are my investable assets? Ma'am, do you want to start changing your life? Then, then we can work with you. But if you don't, because there are people who have significant investable assets and still want to continue their behaviors and that's not getting them anywhere. So I don't have a, you know, a, a minimums or maximums, that kind of things. But I think those two things would be the thing, the way to begin on the journey. I love that. That's great advice. And I think, um, you know, that idea, you, you kind of equated it to working out, right? So finding a coach, whether that, that's not going to be their job title, but finding yeah. somebody that can coach you through the experience and making the right decisions and overcoming mm -hmm. avoidance is powerful in any area, but especially here where, again, like we talked about, we're all bringing all this baggage that's not really helpful to the table, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. All right, so in our, um, in our podcast season this season, we are doing something a little bit different to kind of wrap up our conversations. Um, so we, are, we talked about a lot of practical stuff, but one of the things that we're doing um, with every single woman that I've been interviewing is this little audio Davina exercise. And it's just a way for us to kind of close the conversation. And it's the exercise is really just an act of, of 
referring back to a story that you shared and talking about how that story touched you um, for me and then for you, even though it's your story. And then also just um, kind of making a, a statement about what it's calling us to do in, in our lives. So do you mind if I go ahead and get started and then sure, I'll sure. let you kind of wrap it up for us? So of course, your story that you shared at the beginning of our conversation is so powerful. You didn't even get to go into all the detail because we wanted to talk about the financial expertise. But, um, but the idea that you have been able to um, you know, overcome so much, right? That is a huge, I mean, it's incredibly inspiring and it's also what she, that's what She Is Fierce is based on, right? The idea that women, we have within us the power to create opportunity, to create potential, to, to create change and, and build lives of purpose. But of course, it's not as simple as it sounds, right? It's easy to say, go and live with purpose or go and do this mm -hmm. thing or find your passion. Those are easy things to tell people to do. But I loved hearing your story and you are a living example of somebody who had, has been able to kind of transform their life and did it this is my favorite part and, and what really touched me, did it really based on what brought you a sense of purpose. So bringing that idea of helping yourself and then helping others to improve their own financial future has been really meaningful to you. And I thought that was beautiful. So for me, um, I felt like that was calling me to, first of all, because of all your great advice, to work harder on my own finances, right? And to, um, I, I've gotten a lot better. I used to do be much worse at doing avoidance, but I, I will be more proactive in that area. But also it's inspired me to think about the power in your story to, to come from something where it feels like, how can you possibly get out of that situation? And to now kind of have transformed into somebody who is helping others to do that. I think that is the dream for, for all of us, right? For everybody, certainly within our community, that's, I think, what, what is most meaningful. And to recognize, as you do, um, the power of knowing what you're bringing to the table is the, most, uh, is the most important thing that you're bringing. So you're bringing all kinds of financial expertise, but also just with your clients being able to say, I actually understand the emotional journey. I understand the fear. I understand the shame. And I can help you get through that. I think that's calling me to recognize that and bring my own story to others. And I don't always do that as well as you do. So I'll do my oh, best. Thank you. Thank yes, you. Thank, thank you. Is there anything else in that story that you want to share or anything that this conversation is calling you to do more of in the coming days? Well, you know, it's interesting. I like the theme of living on purpose, right? And I never thought of it that way until you said it. Like, I never thought of my life that way. I just thought that I knew that there had to be a bigger purpose, that it was more to this, that I just could not believe that this was it. Like, I was going to be scuffling the rest of my life. And, and then once I got the knowledge, just taking it and sharing it, it was just natural to me to help other women realize their purpose. And so I, I feel like now... We, with that theme, living on purpose, like that's what I'm doing. I never thought of it that way. And, you know, I invite every, and it's such a cliche, you know, when you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And, um, and, and that's, you know, you got to find your purpose and your passion. And who, who hasn't heard that and who will not continue to hear that? 
but I cannot tell you how true that is. It's, it is so true. I think once you deal with your own stuff, or what do they say? Your pain is your, your purpose. Mm -hmm. And so for me, all of my life, money was a pain. <laughs> and I've been able to do that. And it's, I didn't think about it until you mentioned like the theme of she is fierce for this month and living on purpose. So I feel like I'm honored to be able to live on purpose because I have so much fun doing it. And yeah, so I didn't think about it. And so I don't know if that corresponds with what you were asking, but yeah, no, I, I mean, honestly, that. I think that's beautiful. And I'm so glad that's a wonderful thing to say. I'm so glad that it, you know, uh, is aligned with, with your vision and, that's, I mean, absolutely from the first conversation we had, um, yeah. that was what, I, what I, my impression that I got from you about what you were doing. So I love um, the idea that that has something that's being reflected back to you. So that's yeah, awesome. that pretty cool. Yeah. Thank All right. You. So I want to make sure to let everybody who is listening know how they can get in touch with you or just follow you or be a fan of yours wherever they oh, are. So you. I know um, you, first of all, I want to just mention in addition to your actual financial services. You also run workshops. You do all kinds of um, coaching and training and helping both with your nonprofit and also uh, as a business. Yeah. So if women who are listening want to connect with you, they can go to womantowomanfinancial.com. Yes. But what are the other ways that you want them to follow you just for guidance or just because they're fans after listening to you? So I have a Facebook page of the same title, Woman to Woman Financial. You can follow there. Um, every day I'm posting on my Facebook page. I also has a, have a personal Facebook page, and you can visit me there too. Dr. April Murdaugh um, is my personal Facebook page. And I kind of mix this money thing is who I am. So I'm money and health. So if you see me on my personal Facebook, it'll be anything about money and health. Um, I do have a LinkedIn profile, so you're more than welcome to visit me as well on LinkedIn, and you can message me there, or you can email my firm at info at womantowomanfinancial.com. I do have a personal Instagram, um, Dr. April Murray. You can visit me there as well. Awesome. Well, thank you um, again for sharing your story and sharing your wisdom. And um, we're going to share on our website when this podcast goes live and everyone can hear it. We're going to share a little bit of the, just in writing, so that everybody can take these lessons to heart, um, the tips and tricks and the top five um, areas that every single one of us need to take another look at and make sure we're doing our best. And April, thank you for joining us. I'm grateful for your time and your wisdom today. Thank you for having me. I so appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the She Is Fierce podcast. If you're ready to level up in your life and start living on purpose, join our community of fierce female leaders and women on the rise who are ready to make more money, find more joy, and make their mark in the world. Inside our society membership, our high-level CEO mastermind circle, or at our sold-out live events. Choose how you want to get involved at sheisfiercehq.com. Thank you again to April Murdaugh. April is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Equity Services Incorporated. 
Securities and investment advisory services are offered solely by Equity Services Incorporated, a member FINRASIPC, 1050 Crown Point Parkway, Suite 1700, Atlanta, Georgia, 30338-770-512-5100. Equity Services Incorporated is independent of all named entities.